I'm Dr. Anthony Bolus, and welcome to Healthy Dose. Community pharmacy practice has been in the news quite a bit lately due to walkouts happening across the nation. Tensions are also rising about the decade-long flawed payment scheme in our nation initiated by drug insurance companies, which is paying pharmacies less than what it takes pharmacies to dispense the medication. This backward business takes away significant dollars from pharmacies and has already led to many pharmacy closures over the years, putting patient safety and your individual health at risk. If your pharmacy is getting reimbursed at less than they pay for the drug for seven out of every 10 brand name medicines that they dispense, and in some cases, almost all of their generics, it just depends on their generic medications, then guess what? Your pharmacy will not be able to remain open for very long. And if you don't believe me on that, just this year alone, in 2023, we have seen the announced closures of over 2,000 pharmacies in the United States. Today, we bring in the current Chief Executive Officer and Executive Vice President of the American Pharmacists Association, Dr. Michael Hogue, as part of a special two-part series sharing perspectives and expertise on the status of community practice today and how these DIR fees and payment structures from PBMs are causing serious side effects to pharmacies near you, which will affect all of us if the problem is not fixed in time. More to come on today's edition of Healthy Dose. This is Healthy Dose, brought to you by Samford University's McWhorter School of Pharmacy in Birmingham, Alabama, preparing pharmacists to transform lives. More on the web at samford.edu slash pharmacy. Welcome back to Healthy Dose. I'm Dr. Anthony Bolas. The state of community pharmacy practice today is in jeopardy due to a poor payment structure led by drug insurance companies over the past decade, leading to pharmacies having to do more with less employees that is ultimately leading to burnout and unfortunately pharmacy closings. Due to the severity of this topic, we are going to have a special two-part series showcasing perspectives and expertise from the national level to the front lines. Our first part of this series will focus on the national perspective from Dr. Michael Hogue, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Vice President of the American Pharmacists Association, as he first discusses how pharmacists do much more than just putting medicine in a bottle. So I, I want consumers to hear something that I think is very, very important. Um, your pharmacist does more than put pills from a big bottle into a little bottle and then dispense them with a label on, a, on that bottle to you. Uh, the role that your pharmacist has in healthcare is to keep you safe. The pharmacist, uh, uh, you know, we, we actually have machines that can put pills in bottles. We really don't need pharmacists for that. Uh, what we need pharmacists for is checking the doses of those medicines. We need pharmacists making sure that the medicines you're taking are working, that they're doing what they're supposed to. Even a medicine that you may have taken for a very, very long time, uh, you still need a pharmacist working with you to make sure that you're getting the right effects from that medicine. Sometimes our bodies build tolerance to certain medicines. And we don't get the same effect out of them as we did when we started taking them. So you need the pharmacist there to help make your medicines work, not to make your medicines. Now, there are pharmacists that specialize in making medicines, and that's great. They're compounding pharmacists. And if you need one of those, you'll be glad you've got one in your community, and that's wonderful. 
But um, if you stop and think about it, the real value that you get from going to a local pharmacy to get your prescriptions filled is not so much what the pills are in that bottle, but it's what's happening in that communication you have with the pharmacist that's very important. Dr. Hogue goes on to illustrate the payment structure of the past in pharmacy and how it is being implemented today. 30 years ago, there was payment in the healthcare system so that when your pharmacist prepared your prescription, whether you paid cash for it or whether you got it on your insurance, there was a fee involved that was called a dispensing fee. And that fee was to cover the time that the pharmacist spent counseling you on the medicine and the costs associated with putting the pills in the bottle, the overhead costs associated with doing that. Over the years, what has happened as the third-party payment system for prescription drugs has changed pretty drastically, and there are now something called pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs, that now manage the pharmacy benefit. You probably have seen these PBMs because there's three really big ones that do business across most of the United States. They have over 80% of the business. And you're probably insured by one of those three, either United Healthcare, Optum, or CVS Caremark. And that's the largest portion of the three. And there may be some others out there that you have coverage with if you're listening to this program. But the challenge that we have is that these PBMs no longer pay for the pharmacist's time at all in being able to provide that service to you uh, to ensure that you know how your medicines work and helping to make your medicines work. And in fact, the PBMs have been permitted, especially those that provide coverage for Medicare Part D. So for our seniors who have drug coverage, your, the federal government's plans that they contract with have a fee that they can assess on the pharmacy called a direct uh, and indirect remuneration fee. But the name of the fee is not really important. What you need to know is that for brand name medications, seven out of every 10 prescriptions that your local pharmacy dispenses, regardless if it's an independent pharmacy or a chain drugstore, they're losing money, actually losing money every time they dispense that medication. I'll just give you an example. There's a $1,000 medication out there called Osembic. Osembic is very popular now. It's used for diabetes and people use it for weight loss and other things. The pharmacy will pay around $950 for one dose, one, one pen of that medication. When they get reimbursed from your insurance company for that medication, they typically get reimbursed $100 to $150 less than they actually paid for the medication. But that's invisible to you as the patient because you pay the same copay no matter where you go get your prescription filled. So it doesn't matter where you get your prescription filled, you pay the same copay. And so you can imagine that if pharmacies are getting reimbursed at less than their cost for the medication, um, that's a real problem. So if you're paying the same copay out of your pocket as a patient, um, then who is, who is making up the difference? Well, your pharmacist is, unfortunately. There's no one that's actually paying for that loss. And because these uh, insurance companies called PBMs are not regulated in most states, um, then there's no one to ensure that the pharmacy's actually getting paid a fair price for your medicine. You may be thinking that's all unfortunate for pharmacies, but how does all of this affect me as the patient? 
Dr. Hogue explains the reason behind the why to all of this. Why do you care about this or why should you care about this? And Anthony, I think this is really an important thing that we need to have consumers ask is why is this important to me? Why, do, why should I be concerned as to how much my pharmacy is getting reimbursed for the medicines behind the counter? Aren't medicines just too expensive anyway? Well, medicines are expensive. However, if your pharmacy is getting reimbursed at less than they pay for the drug for seven out of every 10 brand name medicines that they dispense, and in some cases, almost all of their generics, it just depends on their generic medications, then guess what? Your pharmacy will not be able to remain open for very long. And if you don't believe me on that, just this year alone, in 2023, we have seen the announced closures of over 2,000 pharmacies in the United States. Most of those have actually been chain pharmacies. Winn-Dixie, as you all know, in the South, has closed all of their pharmacy locations. Their grocers remain open, but they're under a different banner, but they have no pharmacies anymore. Uh, Rite Aid has filed for bankruptcy as a result of these uh, reimbursement fees and is closing hundreds of stores across the country. We've seen CVS and Walgreens both announce closures of hundreds of pharmacies across uh, the country. And, and Anthony, I think independent pharmacies are particularly vulnerable. I anticipate that between now and the middle of next year, when these fees hit us the worst, we're going to see thousands of pharmacies close. I uh, know that your program is heard around the world, but in Alabama, where you're located, I think there is a tremendous risk of dozens and dozens of pharmacies closing in the state of Alabama, independent pharmacies that we've all just relied heavily upon to be able to provide care in our communities. And so it is a real conundrum that we're in. On top of this poor payment structure, pharmacies have also been asked to do more lately with increased prescription volumes and additional clinical services to implement that has led to more pharmacist and pharmacy technician burnout, leading to shortages across the country. And as pharmacy closures keep occurring, it's only going to make the pharmacies that remain open even more stressful and leading to less time for you to interact with your pharmacist, as Dr. Hogue describes. There's a lot going on right now in community pharmacy practice that I think consumers need to be aware of. As more pharmacies close and you don't have easy access to a pharmacy in your local neighborhood, those prescriptions still have to be filled. And, you know, um, you, whether those prescriptions are filled through mail order or through some other mechanism, uh, most likely they're going to be filled at another pharmacy. The volume associated with that is, means that your pharmacist is going to have less time to spend with you unless we've utilized robotics, uh, dispensing technologies, and more, more empowered technicians to be able to do that. Your pharmacist is going to have less time to spend with you in the future which is very sad because most of us have grown to really rely upon our pharmacists. Our pharmacists are really uh, our trusted healthcare professional in local communities. But one of the things that I think is really important is that during the COVID pandemic, um, pharmacies were literally the only healthcare facilities outside of hospitals that were open. And so the only access to any kind of health care that most of us had for several months in a row were pharmacists and pharmacies. And not surprisingly, we asked pharmacists to do an awful lot in our local communities that we have not typically asked them to do in the past. 
things like um, providing testing for COVID and for influenza and, and including uh, giving childhood vaccinations. That's not something that we've always asked pharmacists to do in the past. We get our flu shot at a pharmacy, but we hadn't thought much about the fact that pharmacists really could do all of the uh, vaccinations that are necessary out there. And, and what happened is that prescription volumes have continued to go up as our population has aged. So the number of prescriptions that need to be dispensed keeps going up, up, up. And the things that we're asking pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to do keeps going up, up, up as well. And so unfortunately, with all of the burnout that happened uh, among healthcare professionals during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of pharmacists that have left the profession because they've been burned out. Uh, we've seen a lot of pharmacy technicians that have decided to go do other things because of the burnout that they've experienced. And so what we're, we're, we're seeing right now is a relative shortage, a severe shortage of pharmacy technicians right now. There's some estimate somewhere between 20 and 30,000 open positions for pharmacy technicians across the country. And there's consistently been open about 7,000 to 8,000 pharmacist positions, particularly in the community pharmacy sector, that haven't been filled. So when you walk into a lot of pharmacies these days, you see fewer people working behind the counter, but they're doing trying to do the same amount of work uh, that, uh, that a larger number of people were doing previously. And that's not not uh, a very uh, positive thing. That can become a very, very stressful environment for everybody involved. And of course, when you're sick, uh, we all tend to be more impatient when we're sick. And uh, if we're impatient when we come into the pharmacy and we get frustrated as patients, um, uh, that just adds to the frustration in the pharmacy and creates a, a really, really stressful situation. We're about halfway through the show right now, and coming up in about 30 seconds, we're going to just take a break. And then in the second half of the show, Dr. Hogue is going to talk more about ways that you as the patient can help, along with a strong message to drug insurance companies, along with what happened with the pharmacy walkouts. We'll be back in 30 seconds, right after this. The community pharmacy safety problem that we keep hearing about in podcasts or in the news or in different articles isn't about the workforce difficulties of the pharmacist going from the big bottle to the little bottle. It's all about the safety of getting the right drug to the right patient for the right reason with the right dose. And that's why we use Choose My Pharmacy. It's a way to evaluate the safety of community pharmacies in a transparent and agnostic manner to make sure that the right dose is getting to the right person. You can learn more at choosemypharmacy.com. And we're back for the second half of the show here. How can you, as the patient, help your local pharmacy in the fight to stay open? Dr. Ho gives some examples on ways to help by calling CMS or Medicare and contacting your state representatives. So I think, Anthony, maybe the question that is most important here for consumers is what can you as a consumer do to support your local pharmacist and make sure that your pharmacist um, is still in operation and still in your local community? Well, well, number one is if you're a Medicare beneficiary, and you have Medicare Part D insurance, no matter whether that's under C, under Part C, managed care, or traditional Medicare, I would encourage you to call um, CMS and uh, the patient hotline, and you can get that at cms.gov, and complain to uh, Medicare that you are concerned that your pharmacy may have to close 
because they're not getting paid fairly by their PBM. I think if consumers, uh, Medicare beneficiaries, would call CMS in mass, many, many consumers calling in a short period of time, this would make a big difference in CMS paying attention to this problem because they have the ability to pay attention to this problem. And the second thing is I would suggest that you talk to your member of Congress because there is legislation at the federal level that would allow the federal government to regulate these PBMs to ensure that pharmacies are paid a fair price for the medicines so that those pharmacies can stay open and provide you with access to care. So tell your congressman, your member of Congress, that you support PBM regulation by U.S. Congress. And, uh, and if you're talking in Alabama, I know that uh, Gary Palmer and all of the other U.S. congressmen uh, in, in your state are going to know exactly what you're talking about. So have that conversation. Another way that you can help beyond contacting Medicare or your representative is to be patient. Just to be simply patient as best you can with your pharmacy team and plan ahead, as Dr. Hogue suggests. It goes a long way to have a smile and to exhibit kindness in your pharmacies. And your pharmacists need it right now. Your pharmacy technicians need it right now. Um, your pharmacists care for you. They really do. Um, I, I am struck every day by when I talk to community pharmacists, uh, how much they love their patients and they love their community and their, their heart is there. But the pressures behind the counter are really hard right now. It's really difficult. The reimbursement pressures, the staffing pressures, uh, there's a lot of pressure right now on your pharmacist and your pharmacy team members. So when you come in, um, have a little bit of patience with them. Uh, it may take them a little longer to get your prescriptions ready than what you've been used to in the past. Give them as much heads up time as you possibly can. Smile and thank them. And, and, and most of all, um, you know, just, just be kind. It's very, very very good thing to do. And as we listen to this, probably at uh, holiday season time, it's, it's even a better time for us to think about kindness and showing kindness. As for those listening today that work for drug insurance companies or even in Congress, Dr. Hogue gives a strong and steady response that change needs to happen as soon as possible to fix this issue. Let me just say something very firmly. If you're listening to this and you work with or for a pharmacy benefit management company or an insurance company, or you're a member of Congress, or you have influence over the PBM business, we recognize that PBMs do have some important roles to play um, in administering formularies and uh, assisting in some aspects of drug management. However, PBMs have overstepped and are now engaged in practices that are predatory and are destroying the ability for pharmacists to be able to take care of their patients. And we really believe that it's vital that, that PBMs do responsible things and, and begin to pay pharmacies an appropriate amount of money for the, for the medications that they're dispensing uh, no one should be asked to sell anything in our society for less than they paid for it. That just doesn't even make sense. You wouldn't do that at Home Depot, your grocery store, or anywhere else. Why is it acceptable in a pharmacy? It should not be. 
But PBMs need to step up and do the right thing instead of the wrong thing, which they've been known to do, and, and fix these reimbursement structures. And regulators, we need you to regulate. We need you to do exactly what it is you're tasked to do, uh, which is regulate the business practices of these PBMs. And members of Congress, it's time to act. We can't delay any longer. We need these laws passed. If we wait any longer, your community pharmacies may not be open to be able to serve the people in your community. That would be a travesty. So we need everyone to do their part to help fix this problem. Recently, a combination of these pressures and poor communication on the corporate level within some pharmacies led to a pharmacy walkout in different parts of the country as Dr. Hoke rationalizes what happened and if things are improving after the walkout. Yeah, so what happened, for those who may have not seen this in the news, is that a group of pharmacists uh, that worked for CVS uh, in uh, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, made the decision to walk out um, of their pharmacies and not uh, work on those days in protest to uh, inadequate staffing levels in those pharmacies. And um, this had been brewing for some period of time. Um, I had the opportunity to go out and meet with the pharmacists in Kansas City myself and visit with them. And, um, you know, essentially what had happened is the staffing levels had gotten so low that they had temporary technicians and temporary pharmacists that were moving around locations. And there was very little stability or ability to predict how many people you were going to have present at a pharmacy. There was a breakdown in communication between the corporate level management and the local pharmacists and trying to deal with the situation. And because that communication breakdown occurred, uh, the pharmacists felt they had no other choice than to walk out. And they did that for just a couple of days and then came back into the practice. Um, the, the management of CVS Caremark has done a good job of meeting with these pharmacists in Kansas City. They've had regular discussions and meetings, and in fact, the pharmacists in Kansas City have reported to me that they have seen a really remarkable increase in staffing and an improvement, and they're very happy with CVS's response um, in being able to get a good solution in place that hopefully will be sustainable and ensure that things are going in the right direction. And, you know, this was just the one example of, of, of something that happened, unfortunate that uh, happened, but, but we do need to make sure that pharmacies are appropriately staffed. Lastly, Dr. Hoke states for those in school looking at healthcare positions, continue to consider pharmacy as he is optimistic for the outlook as we get through this bump in the road and will rely on new pharmacists and pharmacy technicians in the field to continue the great service to patients in our communities to fill the gaps we are experiencing now. You know, pharmacy is a wonderful profession. It's a great profession where pharmacists can really truly make a difference in the lives of the people that they serve. Young people need to know that there's a wonderful opportunity for a career in pharmacy, and we need more pharmacists, and we need more young people to choose to become pharmacists. And I believe that if more young people will do so, they'll find that there's a very wonderful profession in front of them and good opportunities to make a big difference in patient care. So uh, I want to just encourage our listeners, if you have children or grandchildren that are contemplating a future in healthcare. Don't don't overlook pharmacy. Pharmacy is a fantastic field and there's wonderful work to be done to take care of people. 
Don't be so concerned about what you see happening right now at a CVS or uh, another uh, community pharmacy. You know, th those pharmacies are in the process of changing. And whenever change happens, chaos also ensues. And so we're, we're going to see a little bit of uh, unrest and chaos as we move to a new place where your pharmacist is once again your trusted health advisor and your local community who helps take care of your health and your community's health. And we'll get back to that place. And we just need more people to step up and say, hey, I want to be that local pharmacist that helps take care of my community. Be sure to contact Medicare and your legislators within the states and the federal level that PBMs need to be held accountable in order to help keep the pharmacy you love fully operational. Next week, we will shift our perspective to a pharmacist on the front lines. Dr. Patrick Devereaux will be back on our show, and he will go in more detail on what to expect for the upcoming new year. For Healthy Dose, I'm Dr. Anthony Bolas.